Welcome to Truro Airwaves, home of Truro Public Library podcasts. At the library, we have books and much more for our vibrant coastal community on Outer Cape Cod. This is Galen Malakot at the Truro Library, and I am very excited to welcome Nathaniel Philbrick to speak with us about his book, Mayflower. And we're here on the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrim's arrival in the New World, coming up soon. And we're also in a period of time in our country where we're reckoning with all kinds of history. And um, I feel that your book did a very admirable job um, exploring all sides of our personal history here on Cape Cod and New England. And um, I don't know, maybe you could start us off talking about um, the myths of the pilgrims. Yeah. Well, well, great to be with you and, and great to be speaking with um, a group of people from Truro. My uncle, Charles Philbrick, uh, was a poet and uh, he had a summer place in Truro, and so I remember as a kid um, visiting and and the tidal flats all around, and and I have to say when I was uh, researching Mayflower, and uh, one of, and w- with all my books I, I I need to go to the places uh, just to sort of help me understand uh, what's happening geographically and all that, and uh, when while following the pilgrim's progress, <laughs> so to speak, uh, from Provincetown uh, ultimately to Plymouth Harbor, uh, I remember uh, very much, uh, you know, going to your neck of the woods there in Truro and getting a flashback to uh, when we visited uh, my uncle and his family, and um, you know, and of course, a lot happened right in your area there as far as. Um, the Pilgrim's Progress. But, you know, you're right. We're at this moment where, um, you know, we're at such a rec- point of reckoning uh, for uh, uh, how this country got to where it is today, how it got there, and um, and where are we going to go in the future? And, and one of the reasons I wanted to write um, Mayflower was, uh, you know, I grew up with sort of the, the myth of the Pilgrims, the, the, the Thanksgiving uh, pageant <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it was while researching uh, a book about where I live, Nantucket, that I, I read William Bradford's of Plymouth Plantation and realized that there was just so much more to the story that, you know, uh, we look to it as a kind of or- story of origins. And I, I don't, not really comfortable with thinking of it that way, but it is one of those iconic stories that speaks to the very complicated way uh, this country began. And, and so, um, uh, it, you know, when we're in the midst of where we are now, um, it's, it's history is, you know, history, you have the luxury of looking back and knowing where it's headed. Right now, we're at a point where, you know, I, who knows where it's headed? And um, and so in many ways, I think the past becomes more relevant because, um, you know, when you're living in the present, you really have no idea where things are going. And in the past, they had no idea where things were going. And so um, for me, trying to write about the past has been a process of trying to create that sense of indeterminacy of, of, of you know, 
what's happening as people make it up as they go along. And yeah, you speak very eloquently to that, the, um, the whole idea of these immigrants coming in and the delicate balance, um, the improvisation that they were forced to uh, yeah. take on in those first years. Learning. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things uh, I found fascinating about the story was the, the pilgrims were what we would call today re, uh, religious extremists. Um, they, they were, uh, you could call them, they, they were also called Puritans in that they, they felt that uh, their communion with God was the single most important thing in their lives. And to do that, they wanted as an unmediated an experience of God as possible. And uh, they had been forced to leave uh, England because of their religious beliefs, spent about a decade in Leiden, Holland, which had uh, more tolerant, um, was more tolerant of religious differences, but uh, were fearful that their children were going to become Dutch and they were proudly English. And so what they were looking for was a place where they could, uh, a kind of tabula rasa, a place where they could just do it um, be free to to uh, recreate their sense of, of religious fellowship uh, that they had achieved in Leiden without um, all the all the the Dutch stuff happening, and so that's how they viewed this trip to America. But um, but what brought them out of that was the fact that this was not a a, a blank slate; that there were people already here, the native peoples, and so um, and I think it's it's what uh, forced them to become something more, something different from anything they had ever conceived of and, uh, and to deal with others. And, you know, and the other reality is they were coming to a place where, um, that had been ravaged by European spawn diseases, uh, for three, three years. Uh, you know, we're going through a, a pandemic now, but this had been, um, you know, where 80% of people in, in some situations were dying. And so um, creating uh, all sorts of cultural chaos all around and, and into this, um, you know, incredibly complicated situation, this group of um, uh, pilgrims arrived. Yes, and uh, um, I think I read in your book and also looking um, at the, lang- the Wampanoag Language Reclamation Project that the amount of people that had died here, native people because of disease, was um, just about the same as what we've only recently surpassed in our whole country with that pandemic. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a, a level of 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 death that uh, is is just hard to conceive, and so it was, um, you know, so here these people arrive really no, they're 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 they were supposed to go to. Um, Manhattan, uh, uh, you know, to to the Hudson River, and so they were off course. They knew nothing about where they were. They're sort of staggering around and and um, you know, stealing corn from the native peoples right in the Truro area. There, uh, they were fearful that they they were already running out of provisions even before they arrived in England, uh, in a, in America, and and so out of this comes this um, you know a, a very bitter, terrible year. Where uh, they would have easily, they would have died, other except for the fact that Massasoit, um, uh, leader of the Poconokets, a subset of 
what we now call the Wampanoags, uh, his people had been devastated by disease. The, the neighboring Narragansetts were threatening to, to basically take them over, and he saw an alliance with this um, embryonic English settlement as potentially helpful to him. And so um, it was only because of, of that decision on Massasoit's part and his people that uh, the pilgrims were able to survive. And, uh, and so from the beginning, it's, it's a story of, of you know, cultural interaction, diplomacy, desperation, and I think ultimately it's a survival tale on, on all sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very interested, and I think I've been pronouncing a lot of uh, the names incorrectly because we're not familiar enough, um, but the, friend, the sort of even friendships that seemed like developed between uh, Winslow and Massasoit, and uh, how would you pronounce um, Hob- Hobomock? Hobomock, yeah. And yeah. Standish, and, um, mm-hmm. and many other church with with that there were these deep interpersonal relationships um, as well as diplomatic relationships. Yeah, yeah, you know, one of the, um, it's interesting because, it, you know, and that's the thing about history, uh, you know, about the situation, it was deeply personal. Um, that's how we live lives. And uh, and it was, the same was there. It was, these were people were, um, it, was, it was a one-on-one type of situation. Winslow became, uh, Governor Bradford's uh, basically Secretary of State. Uh, he was the one who, who um, was really kind of in charge of the diplomatic side of things, and so he got to know um, um, Massasoit very well. And uh, but it was Squanto um, who had uh, been abducted uh, from the the Plymouth area uh, three years before, and spent some time in Spain and England, and then ended up back. Um, so he knew English. Um, he 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 operated as the interpreter, and it, it quickly became clear that, you know, he was playing a double game. That he had a potential ambitions to, to to do his, uh, uh, to to perhaps take a leadership role. And uh, Massasoit became uh, suspicious of him and demanded uh, that uh, Bradford turn him over. And Bradford by this time it seems to have kind of bonded with him and refused uh to let him go and uh, you know this really imperiled uh the english relationship uh with the poconokets uh wampanoag and um and you know so you see this is is once again as you were saying it is personal and um uh and things were very fluid and and um and, and at times terrifying on both sides one of the uh stories in the book that well, not stories, but um, when you talk about the, is it how do you pronounce Wessagusset? Wessagusset, yes, up in where Weymouth is now. Where yeah. Weymouth is now, and there was a raid, a commando style raid uh, yeah. by Standish, and Habamak was with him, and the uh, tailspin from that. Where um, I, I would love it if you would talk a little bit about that because it seems like it affected the Cape. Cod Indians. Yes, it, it affected the whole region. Um, and what makes it interesting, it was a commando, as you said, a commando raid uh, that was encouraged by Massasoit. Uh, Winslow had been um, at Massasoit's uh, basically bedside. He was very sick. 
and um, uh, and Winslow was uh, gave him some preserves that seems to uh, uh, fruit preserves that brought him back. And after that, he um, Massasoit says, "Hey, the the um, the the Massachusetts uh, in up there in West Augusta are planning an attack on uh, on on Plymouth, and they are complicit with their they are uh, scheming with the the Cape Cod." Uh, group of native peoples and and uh so this inspired uh standish to to lead this uh commando hit uh they come back with one of the warriors heads heads that is then planted on a stake um and the uh a piece of linen in which the head had been wrapped uh, was raised as a kind of bloody flag um you know making you know this 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 you know statement and um, it, it, according to the accounts we have, um, uh, this set the whole native scene in, in Cape Cod in turmoil, and um, and you know it, it was chaotic. And and prior to this time, there were there are native groups in that area that were not necessarily happy with how things were going, uh, as far as from Massasoit's side. And so this, you know, uh, you know anyway, so it, it created this whole chaotic situation um and you know the the pilgrims sort of saw themselves as the agent of change but in another sense it was uh uh massasoit who was kind of calling the shots and so it's 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 a very complicated story uh of of um subgroups parlaying power and um and in many ways the english were kind of in the caught in the middle of it and yet, uh, desperately, you know, trying to assert their, um, uh, <laughs> their, their, I won't say independence, but it was, you know, so it's just a messy situation. And, um, what I found fascinating was that, you know, it's not this, we think of the first Thanksgiving as this, you know, the, the, the this great story of cooperation. And there's elements there that are true because, uh, without, um, uh, Massasoit's reaching out and, and, uh, it would have, the English would have, would have, uh, settlement would have never made it. And yet there's also all of this other, uh, very brutal, um, uh, tactical stuff happening. And so it's, it's, it's for me, what made this, the story, uh, important was that it isn't just a simple sort of, uh, Victorian tableau it's it's a story of origins that is that is violent um uh that is is a survival tale uh out of which um would emerge you know what clearly is still today a very um you know we are we are still a deeply uh divided people um whose history is still haunting us absolutely um Looking at uh, some of the things that I've written down, um, there's just so, so much here. Yeah, the whole bit with um, the the Weston's men that were near West Augusta that sort of provoked the Massachusetts, irritated them so much, or another aspect. Um, right. You know, and, and that's the thing. The, it's, it's not just the pilgrims versus the native situation. There are other... English settlements beginning to spring up, and and one of those was uh, up there at Wessagusset, and they were really an irritant when it came to the native peoples there, and sort of 
prompted this whole uh, thing from the pilgrim's perspective. And so, you know, it is, it's just a tangled, uh, uh, sometimes chaotic situation. And, um, you know, I've written books, not only about the pilgrims, but about, uh, you know, a whaling voyage gone bad about, uh, the revolution. And the one thing that, uh, I keep, um, uh, that becomes more and more clear to me is that, uh, you know, we don't know where we're going today. Um, you know, it's, you, you, you can't, you don't dare even look to this afternoon at this stage in our lives because, you know, who knows where it's going to go. And that's the way it's always been. And, um, it's only after the fact that you look back and begin to see patterns and, and, um, and, and, uh, uh, you know, see those kinds of things at that moment. Uh, it is very personal. Um, everyone is blinded by the forces they are contending with. And for me, the, the, if, if history teaches us anything, it's, it's, it's only humility <laughs> because, uh, you know, uh, we're not aware, you know, we're, we're, we're in the midst of something now. Um, but, you know, there's things happening that, that we take for granted that future generations will look at us in horror and say, what were they thinking? Because mm-hmm. um, that is the nature of 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 of, of humanity uh, and time. Very well said. Yes, I, I'd like to encourage our listeners to, if they haven't already, to read The Mayflower. And there's so much more in there Um about the King Philip's War, and as uh, you note in the book, uh, this period of time between the first Thanksgiving and the Revolutionary War is not, you know, well, you know, well explored in our own, you know, what we learn as kids and as adults. Yeah, um, and I, th- I th- and I think that is uh, what I. Um, began working on this book, I realized I didn't want the book to end with the first Thanksgiving because I think what happens in the second generation when uh, the, the the children and grandchildren of the original English settlers begin to think, hey, we're here. Well, we don't need to, to worry about um, the native peoples that were uh, so important to our, our ancestors' survival. It's, you know, it's up to us now to, you know, uh, create towns and and buy land take land and all this kind of thing and it would all you know this would this that attitude would result in one of the you know uh, deadliest wars in the history of america when you it's the number of people who per capita who died and and establishing the very disturbing pattern that would uh uh would typify america's march west and so this is a story um that that uh you know is specific to its own time, but uh, echoes in some kind, some inspirational and and despairing ways, where this country would be headed and where we are now. Yeah, so maybe we can take some of the inspiration and learn from some of the despair and try to be a different generation and and help our you know forthcoming generations to be better. Uh, listeners and observers, and that's a big hope, as you say, where we are all caught in this moment, and you can't see the future. But um, you do a re- really wonderful job of laying out the uh, possibilities of s- sort of the humility and going back and learning. Well, well, thank you. 
Thank you. It's It's been great to talk to you about all this at a very difficult time in our nation, and uh, we'll see where it all leads. Indeed. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for being with us today. Okay, great to talk to you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.